Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. That's awesome. All right. Let's make sure you guys are awake this morning. Free candy. Heads up. Heads up. There you go. Right there. First one I saw. All right. Oh, Skittles. Skittles. There you go. Oh, hey, you got to dive for it sometimes. All right. All right. M&M's. M&M's. There you go. Right there. Oh, all right. So, man, I got to work on my arm. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyone in the first two rows is lucky. So, so here's the deal. When, when, when someone says heads up, the idea is you're not paying attention and something's coming your way. And so maybe you're going to get hit. But hopefully in that situation, you know, something good is coming. My thoughts are that a lot of times during Christmas, we need to hear God say, hey, heads up. Because what we do is we keep our nose to the grindstone. We're busy. We're, we're, we, you already have a full life. And then December hits. And you've got to do holiday traveling. You have to do uh, holiday decorating. Or in my case, watching my wife do holiday decorating, you know. Or wrapping gifts or buying gifts. Those, those uh, going to parties. There's all of this extra stuff that we do when in an already busy life. So we can miss so much of what God is trying to do in our life to invite us into his story. To invite us to participate with him. And so what I want to do today is talk about heads up, like looking up, because God really and truly is inviting us into his story. And I want us to look at Mary, who's the greatest example of the Bible, of being invited into this amazing, wonderful, God-ordained moment of being invited into his presence. So what did Mary do, and how did she act to be ready for God to use in a supernatural way? Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be in, begin in verse 26, Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So stop right there. I want to talk first about faithful and where you are. Mary was used because she was faithful right where she was. Twice in this text, we're going to read it another in a second, and then multiple times in the Bible, the Bible emphasizes one word about Mary. She was a virgin. Over and over in the Bible, the Bible emphasizes that she was faithful in waiting until she was married, and she was a virgin. Now, we think today, I think what we think is, well, it was easier back then. There wasn't premarital sex. There wasn't all of, you know, somehow, you know, teenage and emotions or wanting to be married didn't count back then. And that's just not true at all. Mary and Joseph were engaged. I mean, we assume that they were in love and that things, and that there was this natural tendency to want to share that. But the Bible emphasizes she was faithful. She waited until she was married. You and I need to practice the same thing, to be faithful right where we are in the moment that God has placed us. Because the Bible says if you're faithful in little, you can be trusted or faithful in much. So we need to be faithful right where we are in this moment. The reason is, is that the angel said once now, he's going to say it again in a second, because God has seen you and he wants to give you his favor. 
Nobody doesn't want the favor of God. You might be here this morning, you're like, I'm kind of exploring Christianity, I'm an agnostic, I'm not quite sure. But even you would admit, if there is a God, I want to be on his good side. I want God's favor. All of us want God's favor. And Mary has found that favor. Why? You, in order to get God's favor, you have to strive first to be faithful. Strive first to be faithful right where you are right now. Doing the very best that you can in the glory of God right now. So, pop quiz. You're going to give yourself a grade. You're going to give yourself a, an actual like school grade from a failing to an A+. How are you doing in either your, if you're a student in your schooling or in your job, give yourself a grade. How are you doing in being faithful? How are you doing in your relationships? If you are dating, are you being faithful? If you are married, are you being faithful to the vows that you made to your spouse? Give yourself a grade. If you have children, how are you doing in being faithful in raising them up? The Bible says in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. Give yourself a grade. How are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you putting time and effort and energy into your relationship with, the, with Jesus? Give yourself a grade. Does anyone here up to these four, just these first four, has anyone here given themselves an A plus in every category so far? If you are, you're preaching next week. All right? So you are, you're up. <laughs> you're up. Listen, we fail, don't we? We fail. Now be very careful with this point. Because I'm not saying that Mary was perfect and so she was chosen. I'm saying Mary was faithful. So I read this great verse yesterday that, that I hadn't thought about in a while. And I've been thinking about it so much. And it says, be strong in grace. Be strong in grace. That's where I think Mary found her spot. In other words, there are some things that Mary is called to do. She is faithful in that she is waiting until she is married. Be strong. Like, do what you know to do. But then in the moments where you do know what to do and you still are unfaithful, that you still sin, that you still turn from God, trust in and rely on the grace of God. Bible says grace covers our sins. Let God in what you cannot do, do for you. So this morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I love celebrating the Lord's Supper before big days. See, if we're going to be invited into God's story, certainly we want to be invited into God's story for next week as, as classic Christmas comes and we'll have all of these guests and all of these people checking us out and, and people hearing the gospel for the first time. But you want to be invited into God's story and what he's doing in 2024. But unfortunately, none of us, including Mary, have been completely faithful. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is a reminder that we need grace. This is a reminder that we lay our lives before God and say, even my very best is not good enough. See, here's the deal. Sin is missing the mark. In other words, we think about sin being bad or evil or wrong. It certainly is. But did you know that sin is good? Did you know that sin is great? Did you know that anything less than perfect is sin? Jesus is is perfect in every way. And in every way that we are not, 
we lay our lives before him and say, God, I need grace. God, I need your grace to cover over my life. So today we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to invite you, if you're, even if you're a guest with us, we would love to have you celebrate the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper is for believers, for those who have trusted Christ in their life. Salvation is not found in this. This is a reminder for those of us who have been saved that we don't deserve it and we didn't earn it. We didn't come in here not needing salvation because we had already achieved it. We came here failing miserably, and yet God forgives us and sets us free. And so this is a reminder. So you can literally today ask Christ to come into your life and be the Lord of your life, to forgive your sins that you didn't score an A-plus in all of those areas, and now say, God, I need you to cover over my sins. So I'm going to invite you right where you are today as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Bow your heads for just a moment. Are you a believer in Christ today? Are you a follower of Jesus? If not, understand that Christ died for our sins. Christ was perfect, so he was able to die for us in our imperfection. And today, if you will trust in that grace if you will believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and on the third day Jesus came alive, and you will ask the Lord, ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. In other words, control, complete control. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, ask Christ to forgive you. If you are a believer, the Bible says that in this moment before the Lord's Supper that we should, we should examine ourselves. See, we remember I needed salvation because I've not been perfect. And from the salvation moment till this moment, I've still not lived perfect. What is the Lord showing you in the areas that we talked about? Why didn't you get an A plus in all of those areas? The Bible says confess your sins. Tell Jesus. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you that you alone provide salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we take the bread. The Bible says that on the night that Christ died, that he was leading the Lord's Supper for his disciples. And he, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. This is a symbol of the fact that, that I literally was crucified on a cross. That we don't bring our salvation to God. That he gives his salvation to us. But that salvation costs everything. The literal body of Christ. And so we do this to remember, God, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Bible also says that he took the cup. He says this is a new covenant. In other words, in Jesus, we can truly be made new. That we can not just be forgiven, but that we can be transformed to be new and wonderful. Father, thank you for the covenant that is your blood. For the Bible says, though our sins are as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Thank you, Jesus.
I love celebrating the Lord's Supper before big days because I want you to be able to go in next week to Classic Christmas in 2024 knowing that you are right with God and knowing that He has something new for you. That even in the areas that you were found less than faithful, God is faithful to forgive us. And so let's look at now at what Mary did and that she had faith not just in where she was, but now look at how she is, has faith in where she is going in this next part. In verse 28, the Bible says, the angel, said, the angel came to her and it said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. She was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Look at the faith that Mary exhibits in this moment. I think we have heard this story so much, we forget how unbelievable what we just read is. You're sitting there, normal day, normal circumstances, and all of a sudden, you see an angel. All right, right there, you're like, special day. Uh, I mean, something big's about to go down. Now, angels, when they, when they greet people, they always say, don't be afraid. The power of God on them is in such a way that people are literally afraid that they're about to die because this angel, angels are warriors. And so you have this warrior in front of you and you're about to die. So he says, don't be afraid. And then he starts talking to her. And the Bible says the first thing that happens is, is she's concerned. She doesn't understand what this greeting means. So she's got this big, this breakthrough in the moment, this big imposing angel. He says something to her. So the very first sentence, she's slightly confused. And then he says, you're going to have a son. You're going to conceive. And he gives her these very specific instructions. You're to name him Jesus. That means salvation of God. He's going to be the salvation of God. And people will say he's the most high God. He's the son of God. And he will rule. So she gives him the name and the reign forever. Like the whole life is mapped out in this one moment where, where she's now had. And then she asks this obvious question. How's this going to go down? All right, now, now this is an okay question. In fact, when God tells us what to, what, what's happening, we often want to know, well, how's this going to happen? When God gives us a vision, when God gives us something, we want to know, how's it going to happen? Almost always, God doesn't answer that question. Almost never does God tell you how. He just wants you to have faith. Now, in this case, he's going to show us why often he doesn't answer how, but he's also going to do it because he wants people to understand the nature of her conception. So she says, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And he says, the glory of the Lord will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will empower you and you will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
Well, that just leads a whole lot more questions, doesn't it? I mean, you're just like, when's this gonna go down? What's it? I mean, like, am I gonna know? Am I gonna see the Holy Spirit? Like, like, it's just a lot more questions and she doesn't get the answer to those questions. Most of the time, God doesn't answer how. He just wants us to be willing to step out in this moment that's very unusual, that really and truly, like it literally in this case is unprecedented. It makes no sense. But Mary has such faith. What does she say? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you want to do with me, God, I'm a willing vessel to be used. I think sometimes we really don't want to be used by God. Because we know that he's going to show up and we're so, we're so scared of what that's going to be. Because we can't tell him, I'll be used if you'll do this and this and this and this. He's going to show us something that's just so radically different than anything. And yet Mary is this great example of willingness to be stepped in. We all need that. Let me give you an illustration. Some of you will know this right away. So let me show you a picture. This is E. King Gill, January 2nd. 1922. Texas A&M University is playing Center College. Center College is the best team in the nation in football. Texas A&M is playing with them and they are not doing well. What's interesting about Center College is I found this out. You know what their mascot was? The Praying Colonels. I love that. You're, you're just like, we don't have praying privates or praying generals. All of them are colonels and they're praying. All right, so, so like they got an advantage right there. They're a praying football team. So, so the, the coach is Dana Bible of the Aggies and they are losing players. Center College is not only beating them, but they're beating them up. And so they lose their best running back in the first quarter of the game. And so Dana Bible looks over at his bench and he's got less and less people there. And so he looks up in the press box and he sees uh, Gil. And Gil was on the practice squad. So he wasn't a football player, but he would sometimes practice with him. He waves him down out of the, the press box and he says, suit up, I might need you. And so Gil just, okay. So he literally goes under the stands and the running back who's now out of the game is hurt, gives Gil his, his uniform. So that's where he gets his uniform and Gil stands on the sidelines and Gil's ready to go in at a moment's notice, even though like he just thought he was going up to the press box that day. And so at the end of the game, a miracle happens. Texas A&M wins 22 to 14 to beat Center College in what's called the, Dizzy, uh, the Dixie Classic. Fantastic game, but it sets up a precedent that is probably the most known tradition in all of college football. This is it. Home of the 12th man. Where are my Aggies in the room? Yeah, I knew you guys would know. You're all like, oh, he's going to do Aggies. Yeah, yeah, all right, now. Listen, I know, only Aggies get more excited about 12th man than the Bible. But anyway, so here we go. So. <laughs> now, here's what's cool about the 12th man, because it, it really is an amazing, amazing uh, um, um, thingy. <laughs> a tradition. So to this day, in the student section at Texas A&M, they still stand for the game. And it's this idea of, of Gil being called into the game. It's this idea of I'm here and ready and willing to be used. I'm ready to go in if you need me, coach. I'm ready at a moment's notice to go in. I'm, I'm that guy that's sitting up because at the end of the game, Gil was the only one on the sidelines. Everyone else had been hurt or was out on the field. He was literally the 12th man, yet he was willing to go in. 
So this is where I think you and I need to really struggle with a little bit. Are you standing up and willing to say, God, I want you to use me. I want to go into the game. I want to do whatever it takes. I'm going to stand up. Because A&M today, listen, they're, they're no, this was 1922, over 100 years ago. They're not calling anyone out of the stands to the game, all right? In fact, if you try to get on the field, they'll be like, security, all right? They're, they're, you're like, the guy going, I want to go in the stands. No, you, sir, are drunk. You're not going in the game, all right? But what's amazing about is how A&M, if you've ever been to their, to their games and how their yell leaders uh, call out cheers and everyone participates, it's one of the most loud home field advantages that you can have at any sports arena in America. Over 100,000 on most weekends. And so they're just like, hey, if we can't go into the game, we're going to make it really difficult for the other team. You and I need to be willing to stand up and say, I want to be like Mary. I want you to call me into the game. I don't want to stand on the sidelines and watch. I want to be in the game and truly, truly understand if that's you, let me make sure you understand what you are signing up for. Let me give you three words that characterize Mary's faith in where she was going. The first word, write down the word believe. Believe. When Elizabeth describes her in just a moment in verse 45, this is what she says about Mary. She says, you are one who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken. Mary believed. She truly didn't go, well, we'll see. Well, you know, if I, if I start getting big, I guess it's true. She believed that God was going to do exactly what he was saying he was going to do in this miraculous way. You and I have got to be willing to stand up and say, God, I believe that you can use me. And I believe that you can do it in a supernatural, miraculous way. God, use me as your willing vessel. I believe. That's what faith is. See, you can say it all day long, but God knows, like, I truly, truly believe this. Number two, write down the word disruption. The only difference in Mary's wedding plans and your wedding plans today is that Mary did not have Pinterest. That's the only difference, all right? So she didn't have everything pinned up everywhere, but she had wedding plans. They had a celebration plan. They knew where their first house was going to be. They already had it rented or whatever it was. They had a lot of plans. And the angel comes in and he's going to throw a major wrench in their plans. A major, major wrench in their plans. And he doesn't tell like, this is how it's going to end up. This is what it's going to be like. When you say this, this. He doesn't tell her any of that. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. And yes, I had plans, but you are God and you get to disrupt my plans. This is hard if you are a control freak. A lot of you are shaking your heads right now. <laughs> Some of you are looking at your spouse going, write that down. Right? That's important for you. <laughs> if you're a control freak, this is hard. God, I'll follow you as long as either A, you do it my way, or if you're a detailed person, you tell me everything before it happens. Neither one of those happen in this case. God doesn't put her in control and doesn't give her a lot of details. God just moves her forward and she's like, I'm just willing and you can just disrupt my life along the way. If you love Google Calendar, fantastic, man. If you love your organizers and your planners and your to-do list, man, get after it. 
but always hold those out to God and say, this is the best I know of what you want to do for me today or what you want me to do for you today. But God, you're welcome to disrupt my plans. You're welcome to throw a wrench into what I think is going to happen next. Number three, write down the word move. Move. If you want to be used by God, you've got to move. You've got to do something. Mary doesn't have a lot. The angel doesn't say, now here's what I want you to do. So he leaves. So Mary's like, okay, she mentioned, or uh, the angel mentioned Elizabeth. So I'm going to go there. You don't really believe if you stand there and go, God, as long as you tell me everything, every way, as long as you give me all of the facts or just tell me what to do specifically, you probably are going to miss God. He might not tell you what to do. There's some things that you know you need to do. There's some things you're like, okay, what I know about God and what I know about this situation, this feels like the next step. So God, is this right? And if he tells you something else, do that. But a lot of times he doesn't. He doesn't for Mary. Move. Do something. Like literally, too many people think faith is just, God, as soon as you tell me everything to do or tell me specifically what to do next, I'll do it. Move. Go. Start. Make action happen. That's what Mary does. She's like, well, he mentioned Elizabeth. Let's go find out what's up with her. I'm going to go move in the next step. It is so important. Faith is an is a action verb. It is not just believe. It is also move. You've got to be willing to go out and to do that. God does it. And when he does, I encourage you to memorize this word, this uh, verse. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Man, believe it. Write it down. Memorize it this holiday season. He truly is an impossible, wonderful God. So Mary was faithful in where she was. She had faith in where she was going. And number three, she found friends for the journey. She found friends for the journey. Look what she does with Elizabeth in verse uh, 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried. So she immediately moved to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Remember, Elizabeth is her uh, relative, and the Bible has shown us that she's older, that she's way too old to have children, but she is pregnant. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed.'" How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. In verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Mary goes, and the Bible says they will spend three months together. So if Elizabeth is six months along, Mary helps Elizabeth deliver the baby, which is John the Baptist. And so... All of this idea. Now, you need friends for the journey. If you're here and you're new to River Valley, man, fantastic. Get involved. Get involved. But listen, this is not the environment for friendships. You might renew a friendship or start a friendship, but this is not our environment for friendship. We understand that. We are a large, growing church. It's fine. You'd be like, they can't know everybody. No, no one does. But you can be really well known at River Valley. You can have close, good 
friendships that are life-giving at River Valley. I'm talking about, you might have friends, but I'm talking about friends that will pray with you. I'm talking about godly friends. I'm talking about friends that will encourage you. I'm talking about friends that when you're messing up will call you out. I'm talking about friends that will uh, literally just breathe life into you when you need it. I'm an I'm a introvert, which is, makes uh, holiday parties kind of hard for me. Uh, those of you who know me well will often see Melinda at a party alone uh, these days. You'll be like, where's Cody? And she, she will often be, he's back at the Fortress of Solitude. All right, that's, that's my house. So, so, uh, and, and, uh, so I, I always have to be careful, especially Saturday nights. If you see me out on a Saturday night, it's like a Yeti sighting. Man, it's like it's big time, all right? And so... But I go, I go to several parties, and, and I've been really, since I knew I was preaching this, I've been watching, and I've been thankful to God for this. Because I go to these parties, and, and I have all of these friends. I have a lot of friends. I'm an introvert and a holiday Grinch, and I get invited to parties. God is good. Now, I always tell Melinda, when I die, I'm going to have accomplishments. When, you, uh, when I die, I'm going to be surrounded by accomplishments. But when you die, you're going to be surrounded by lots of friends. Melinda's a great friend. So I think a lot of people really like Melinda and know that we're a package deal. But either way, I mean, I'm like, I have a lot of friends. I mean, I've been really amazed at that as I've been thinking about that over, over these, these different uh, parties. And we've got another one for our, for our group on Monday. And here's the deal. When you're an adult, you don't have as much time to invest like you did in high school and college with friends. That's just normal. And so the closer my friends are, almost universally, it's because I've been with them in group. It's because I've taken that time during our group season to invest in them and, and to be with them. And they're, they're my friends. And it really is like that, that saying that they say at marriages, at, at weddings, where they say, uh, you know, when you get married, they say, when you have a sorrow, the sorrow will now be halved. And I've seen that with my friends. When I'm hurting or struggling, I can go and lay those down and they pray over me and they lift me up and they text me and they call me during the week and they tell me they believe in me. But so when you have a sorrow, it's halved. But when you have a joy, it's doubled. And I've experienced that as well. Like you can't wait to go to group to tell everybody the cool thing that God did. And nobody in group goes, must be nice having that blessing. No, everybody goes, yeah, that's awesome. Like you can tell them like this cool thing just happened and God just bought me this. God just did me. And they're, they're genuinely excited for it. I love it. I love it. You have that opportunity so January 7th is our new group link. So if, you, if you're not involved in a group, if you don't have this, this kind of connection, we have uh, tons of different groups uh, pushing 40 now, lots of people in groups, new groups starting all the time. Man, I want to encourage you to get involved. That's what Mary does. She doesn't do this thing alone. She goes and she finds a friend in Elizabeth, and they do it together. Now, along the same line, I want you to be inviting those friends into relationships. Some of your friends or your family or your coworkers or your neighbors, they're not quite in the godly category. You ought to have non-godly friends. I mean, you ought to have some really lost non-godly friends. It's okay. You ought to enjoy that being around them, but you ought to have the intentionality of, I want you to know the greatest thing of my life. I want you to know Jesus. So this is your opportunity for that this week. 
in, group, or, uh, in classic Christmas. Man, next Saturday night, we're starting out at 6 o'clock, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, Sunday night, 6 o'clock. So many opportunities. People are like, well, I can't come on Sunday. Oh, you got uh, Saturday night. Well, I sleep in on Sundays. Well, you got Sunday night. They're like, there's no excuse. They're like, come on now. I need extra points in heaven. I need you to be there. So just tell them whatever it takes, man. But really and truly, it's an amazing, amazing, easy way. This is an, an invitation to God's working in people's lives. Now, some will come and get saved, for sure. But a lot of times, they'll come and they'll just begin that journey. And they'll say something like, that was good. That was, man, like, like I truly enjoyed that. I've had people say, my friend who I've invited for years, or this person that I just invited, they came up and they said, I am so glad. Thank you for inviting me. Because it's not like a, like a pageant. It's not, it's not an event. It really is hearing from God and inviting them into that story. So I want us to bow our heads, and, and, and we're going to end up this way this morning. We're going to spend a, a little bit of a moment <clears throat> in prayer. And I'm just going to lead you back through. This is how we're ending today. It's just with a time of prayer. And so if you've been faithful in where you're at, the answer is no for all of us. The answer would be no for Mary as well. But God forgave us when we confessed those sins during the Lord's Supper. But I want you to right now, okay, how do I need to be strong in this? How do I need to be an overcomer? So that this is not a pervasive thing in my life. What, what roadblocks do I need to set up for myself? What new actions do I need to take? What, you know, do I need to talk with someone? What is it that you need to do to truly be strong in the grace of God and say, I want to be faithful right now. I want God to use me. And I want God to look down and say, there's somebody who's doing the best they can with what they have. And then God's grace is covering over everything else. Number two, Mary had faith in where she was going. God was calling her to be carrying a baby, yet still a virgin. That baby was going to be the son of God who's going to rule and reign forever on the kingdom of heaven. She had to believe that her old relative Elizabeth was pregnant. <clears throat> it's a lot to take in, but Mary believed. I want you to tell God, I truly believe that you can use me. I could be Mary in this story. Not that I'm perfect, but God, I am willing. I don't want to sit in the stands and watch the kingdom of God unfold. I want to be on the field playing. So Jesus, help me to believe that you want to do great things. Number two, God, help me to accept disruption. I've got everything mapped out because I'm a, I'm a planner or I'm a control freak. Or I'm not moving forward because I don't know the next step. Even though I know some things I could be doing, I don't know exactly how to do it. 
in perfect order. So I'm not going to do it at all. God, help me to embrace disruption. Help me to move. Show me a good first step or a good next step. I don't need everything. I just need one day at a time. God give me friends for the journey if you have godly friends thank God for them by name thank you Jesus I hope you have a godly spouse I hope that's definitely on your list but I'm, I'm talking about just friends too if you don't ask God to open that up in this next season at River Valley did you see in verse 41 what happened? When Mary came and shared her life with Elizabeth, the Bible says that John the Baptist leaped inside of her womb and that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what God was doing with Mary now overflowed to those who are around Mary. You can pray that for your friends, your family, your coworkers, and your neighbors who don't know Jesus. God, as you're working in my life right now, to bring me closer to God. I pray that you would work in my friendships as I bring God to them. As I invite my friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors to classic Christmas, God, I pray that the blessing that you are doing in my life would not stop, stop there, but it would overflow to them. Father, give me grace that fills me up and then overflows. Pray for those that you're going to invite next week. Pray that God would work for them. Pray that God would give you a fresh word over the Christmas season and into 2024. That you wouldn't be living the same old, I know what happens on Monday and then on Tuesday nights this and then on Wednesday. You, man, God, do something fresh and wonderful and new for your glory. In us, your people, and in your community as you're working for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.